Welcome back to Fly Over Territory Podcast. As always, co-host Woody, and with me as always, co-host Dave. Dave, how we doing? We're doing okay. Uh, spring is here, right? Maybe? Hopefully? I think so. Hit 50 again today. Did I would it? say so. Okay. We, we, did a, yeah. we did a long walk around the neighborhood here, so definitely feeling it. I, I just keep looking at the weekend. It's going to be like 50 degrees and... Uh, Holding 60, up, holding 60, 60. Uh, we did schedule a tennis match outside with uh, my, my tennis group. So apparently there's some courts over by Roseville that are cleared and ready to go. So Interesting. With nets. Yeah, uh, uh, apparently. I think they have a very robust pickleball league over in that area ah. that like actively shovels the courts and <laughs> tries to get some games in. And so we'll take it. We'll take it. So we've got 50 degrees today, 60 on the weekend. Uh, our, our Minnesota twins are playing baseball. There is, uh, every single indication that this season is going to take place and somewhat on time for major league baseball. And yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a glimmer of hope for kind of vested sports interests during a time where I find myself personally more vested into a league taking place across the Atlantic Ocean than anything here in the United States. So uh, spring's a good time. I'm, I'm trying to channel the optimism here at the top, and we'll, we'll see how long it lasts, Woody. Spe- speaking of across the pond, oh, just a skip, hop, and a jump over the Atlantic Ocean, uh, sporting the the blue quarter zip as a proud uh, <laughs> Evertonian winners of a uh. – a, a nail biter? No, I guess he scored in the 65th, but uh, a hearty, well earned one nil road win at West Brom. So uh, much needed. This is it's it's maybe this is something that could be um, like extrapolate this across all sports right now. But for the English Premier League, I feel like it is not being talked enough about enough how important it's going to be to qualify in their Champions League for next year because of money. And the same thing, I you know, very interested to see where this kind of conversation takes baseball, especially going into next year. Um, like to be in the playoffs and to be earning whatever income you can pass or revenue, I should say, uh, that you can as we've coming as we're all coming out of this like weird, weird time, um, will be so important. And I'm really interested to see that how it's going to affect. I'm not sure how that played out with the NBA or NHL or anything like that. It seems to me like be an easy thing. Like it's always good to make the playoffs. Revenue is important for your 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 club. It's really important for these European teams that spend just money like crazy in the Premier League, especially um, in those Champions League. Just the way they have it set up, I mean, it's such such a huge boon to have that that money as part of your operating budget for the next season. 
Plus, it also allows you to attract actual decent players, which we don't need to dive too far into the Premier League. But yes, a hard-fought three points to leap ahead of Liverpool uh, in the standings for right now for fifth place and sniffing at a Chelsea-Everton matchup on Monday afternoon where I will obviously be hard at work and not watching that whatsoever. I say with a very furrowed brow. <laughs> but no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I was just say, as the only thing I was I add is it'd be the first time in 15 years for your club to uh, join the elites in uh, in old, good old Champions League and uh, fourth place is different than fifth place. But I, both, I have both are solid. I always felt that there are some great oh similarities between. Everton Football Club and the Minnesota Twins. I, I just, I for whatever, it felt right when, it's felt right this entire time. Uh, go back to, like, I, as I looked into a little bit more, I was kind of like, yeah, this is like, this is a Twins comp. And plus, at the time, this was 20, 2004, 5, or 6, when my cousin showed up with a Chang beer uh, sponsorship splashed yeah. across Everton kit. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah sold, 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 let's do it. So, yeah, it's been it's been like 15 freaking years now of supporting Everton. It's been a wild, uh, mostly titleless, in fact, completely titleless run, which is very similar to Minnesota Twins baseball. Look at that. There's a nice little I, hey, transition. It's a great tie. <laughs> it's a great tie-in. It's a great tie-in. It, it's funny because, and this is where I would, if you were to ask, like, oh, who's the bigger like Twins fan and Minnesota sports fan? I would defer for this for this one reason. This is the only thing I, this is where I concede if we get to this this argument point on the docket is uh I, I don't know if I've publicly stated on this podcast, but well known. I'm a big Manchester United supporter and part of my uh reasoning for choosing them as my club back rel- relatively same time, 2004-2005. Uh the the big reason was Eurotrip, the movie. Um, that was really what swayed me. And then finding out that they had like just signed this like eighteen year old like wonder kid English kid with a terrible hairline and like a beer belly, and then this like phenom from Portugal who like no one really knew who he was, but apparently everyone knew who he was, kind of guy. And it was like just right place, right time with that. Uh, so I have a lot to lots to do with Euro Trip. Um, but also. Just having to like deal with the constant like stories of small market team almost getting there but not the twins obviously winning in eighty seven and ninety one that that that's kind of an anomaly though like we almost lost the team in ninety nine like yeah I just wanted a team that you know is like committed to winning and like I I wanted to like know what it felt like to be like a Yankee fan or like a Lakers fan mm-hmm. this is right after the Wolves lost to the Lakers in the in the Western Conference yeah. Finals yep um. I just wanted to know what it felt like to cheer for a team that actually like tried to win. That was like a minor thing in there of like, you're never probably going to have another sport where you get to pick a team. And this is kind of, you were able to start from scratch and have that opportunity. Now I, I would in this moment, I would be remiss not to pass up the chance to say like, you fucking chose the evil empire of, (laughs) of the world sporting scene. I mean, there's two other clubs located in Spain, which I think might challenge, you know, for historical as well as present day, because man city is a different story. Obviously yes. Evil empire of today, but man United has a storied history of just being loathed by, I think pretty much every other 
Premier League fan base. And this is, again, we are two Americans talking about this, so if you choose to disregard our thoughts, that's fine. That's understandable. But this is something that we spend considerable amount of time ourselves on. <laughs> so I, I I point like the canon of just uh, being disgusted by your choice and not willing to stand by a small underdog club that was actually the first team in Liverpool. Uh, so, yeah. But I, I, I also saying all that, of course I am jealous to not like, I, again, look out over the landscape and I've, I've chosen this path of Everton twins, Timberwolves, Gophers, sports related of just, uh, you know, I think a lot of it's self-inflicted. So I, I've tried to push back against this as much as possible in previous pods, but it is there's historically the last two decades have not been kind on these sporting fan bases. And it's been, it's, you know, kudos for you but also how how dare you woody shame on you shame on you uh i, th- I thought you were gonna go with i thought you were gonna go with and, like throw a gauntlet down of like who's a bigger minnesota sports fan in this moment and i'm very interested to hear your response like if you were to compare myself to yourself who do you think i and it and i i we don't have to dive into that right now maybe that's just yeah, yeah, something yeah. we can come back to because i think it would depend on a sport by sport basis and, um it would be interesting that's a good that's a good rainy day uh oh shit the (laughs) twins are 33 and 66 in july uh kind of podcast like yeah we've we've kind of trashed this team enough we don't need to do more of that so moving on to this thing let's Uh, let's debate amongst ourselves who is a bigger (laughs) fan of futility of the last three because that's what every every fan in in the in the uh in the nosebleeds are doing anyways at these at target field that that season so (laughs) Like, yeah, I was here when we, oh, wait, this might be our worst season statistically of all time. Never mind. Um, I have Denny Hockey no. tattooed on my left forearm. What about you? Uh, no, I. in my defense, last thing I'll say about Manchester United and my personal fandom uh, of them is, uh, in my defense, Eurotrip did not explain that everyone hated Manchester United. No, From that not. movie's perspective, it seemed like everyone loved them. And I thought I was making the right call. There seemed to be a lot of kind of skating over of uh, true representations of the world at large in Eurotrip. I'm, I'm now just thinking, I think one of my favorite parts of that film, and this is a film that hit when we were at a very impressionable age. Uh, what, what does he have in his alert that he has an email that comes across? This is early on in the film. And it just says, Mail, motherfucker. <laughs> I've, always, I've always wanted to capture that somewhere. Mail, motherfucker. <laughs> you could, you, you got to be able to easily find that at this point. This, you would assume. I'm putting um, a mental note to track this down and probably do that for my phone tomorrow. It sucks. But. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, shout out to uh, Vinny Jones, who's the Manchester United super fan. Yes, of that movie. he is. Which is, a, which is a huge persuade from my end, just coming off of finding out uh, – uh, or just at that point, like coming into discovery movies like Gone in sixty seconds, mm-hmm. so where it's like, hey, this Vinnie Jones guy, he likes him too. We're good to go. <laughs> um, also, to tie it into us personally, the main character in that movie, the character's name in the movie, one Scott Thomas. Scotty Thomas. I which mean, uh, I don't know if we're supposed to reveal names of like full names here on this. Well, pod, but, let's uh, just say we aspire to be, or we aspire for the luck and the timing of somebody with the initials st and we'll get more to that i think uh in the second half of our program 
today as we as we unveil kind of a, a new format for a new season. Yeah, yeah, 2021, um, which also could be known as the last year that professional baseball was playing in the United States. But as we'll we get to it. that at a, <laughs> at a later date, uh, more so after we find out how Trevor Bauer hates uh the proceedings probably sometime in the late summer early fall but um yeah new new kind of format we'll kind of set it up and then we'll kind of dive into the first half is two parts classic twins talk off the top uh spring train just starting so we'll get on to that uh, a little bit of world series uh predictions slash outlook kind of some vegas odd stuff there and then second half uh little little side venture which Fingers crossed turns just into a just venture in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, sports cards and the sports card culture as a whole, maybe, yeah. and how uh, we're, we're attempting to kind of slice out a, a, a small fractional piece of that uh, that pie there. But uh, start things off, little uh, little heat check, little little five games <laughs> in. It is five officially that we've played now, I- or are we not counting that weird like, hey – uh, we don't want to play any more this inning, so let's call this inning and move on. Game. Uh, I I was just going off of five games by when I pull up the official Minnesota Twins homepage, and I scroll to the right, I see the Grapefruit League standings. The Twins are two and three, two games off the leaders, the Miami Marlins. Three and zero. Oh. Wonder hey. if Sixto Sanchez is dealing. Uh, one of the one of the best names like up and coming in baseball. Like just Sixto Sanchez, awesome. Uh, so Twins are five games in. Heat check that I have thinking about this club and just spring training in general is just. I, I honestly think it's just kind of like a big meh, uh, shoulder shrug. I, I'm just I am finding myself somebody who tuned into my first game you know grapefruit league action dialed up my mlb audio app so i can listen to each game and i listened to one and it was it's it's nice to have there i'm certainly really happy that it's back but you and i have talked and dissected the off season in a lot of different ways and we've we've done that on a podcast we've talked about that ad nauseum off the podcast we've listened to a lot of things and i find myself here in spring training just being like, okay, I, I guess, like, here we go. I, I, I just, I, I can't. I'm not finding the will to really ramp up much enthusiasm at this present moment. Um, and, and honestly, there never is much in spring training, uh, especially a spring training that's going to be Sans, the one guy that you and I are literally invested in having a great spring training to to somehow kind of change everything um it just is really kind of like okay this this wins here's here's what they're gonna do and i think i kind of understand their playbook we'll see how it goes but wake me up when september ends i think is the classic (laughs) uh green day song that could be applied right here that's very true that's yeah that's a good green day reference there i Um, I think i got it right yeah yeah Wake me up when September ends. I believe is the, the, uh, I zagged on that up on that album. By the way, I was uh, I was very anti Green Day on that album. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> you're you're we're doing a lot of like uh, early two thousands references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can tell where our minds are. Like, hey, last playoff win coincidentally two thousand four. Uh, great time to be alive. But no, I I agree. I it, it's a tough season 
the disconnect, um, the sport as a whole last year, I think, did a really horrible job at, like, staying organized and staying on the same page and putting out a product that people wanted to be invested in. And that now is showing up more so in 2021 than it did in 2020. I think everybody, you know, nine months ago roughly is when that season got underway, was like, you know what? We need baseball. We need something to come back. Uh, you know, the pandemic sucks. Everything's getting worse, whatever. And they just, there's there's a way to do it where it's like you could set your guys, you could set yourself up going forward. And they just chose, and we knew this time and time again to not do that. They just said, you know what? Let's get through this season. Let's get through next season. And then 2022, the CBA is over. And quite frankly, players and owners to the other side are just double birds, like just a big F you. Yeah. And that's being felt on one end, the end of the season kind of pending, but also too, where it's just this, again, like I said, the disconnect of, um, I, I'm usually generally at this point of, you know, spring training, obviously really invest in the twins and excited about that, but excited about baseball, right? Yeah. Excited about all yeah. things. And you think of like, you know, the Padres have a bunch of good storylines. The Dodgers, can they run it back? Great storylines. The Mets and like how management and ownership is just a complete like <laughs> fuckery. But like the players are kind of cool outside of, uh, outside of their pitcher Thor, uh, like everybody else on that team is super cool. Like the Yankees are, what are they going to do now? Like, you know, it's like they're, they're kind of rebuilding, but, uh, you know, all these different storylines are Boston back. What's Toronto going to do? You can go down the list, but like, honestly, I'm just not super, Mm -hmm. I'm not there. I just don't, I just don't have, I have that sense of it anymore. And, um, I don't know the exact, I can't like put my finger on exactly what it is, but that to me is like a big tie into like the twins thing where yeah. that that's going to have some sort of correlation with the rest of the league. It, it's, I think that's really interesting because I I'm trying to recall some semblance of where I was at. Like what do you, what was our, was it 2016, like 14, 15, 16, God awful years. Right. Oof. Um, and let's just, let's just, I, I'm, I'm just thinking back about, where I was at, I don't think there was any modicum of uh, sense that the twins were going to be decent in 2016. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to like on the spot right here, but I pull up 2016 because that was one of my favorite years of baseball ever because of that world series. But I, I, I will, I will forever remember where I was at in my life, as well as in that moment of being drunk in a basement in St. Paul, screaming my heads off that Cubs won the world series with my, future partner there watching me and seeing behind the curtain of the degeneracy and uh <laughs> maybe not degeneracy in that regard but just being like what is this guy's deal like this isn't even i i so you're saying you're not excited for baseball in general and part of that is connected to not being excited and then maybe as a result you're not as excited about twins baseball is that a fair assumption from what i'm hearing yeah, I would say so. I th- yeah, the, the twins part comes off of the the lack of excitement because I a, I am not finding myself very excited about the twins, but I am very interested and very excited for baseball. Okay, and for all those teams that you just listed, I'm kind of like yeah. I want to see if San Diego can compete against LA. Like that's awesome. That's that's a what a divisional rivalry. Like I I look across the central and I'm kind of like I'm more interested in if Chicago's got something going on here. Than the twins and and this is just maybe i am putting my guard up the twins to the nth degree to be like you guys aren't gonna burn me i'm not gonna buy a 2021 
AL Central Division Championship hat and feel like a clown whenever I wear it out into town because we got beat by the freaking Houston Astros in two games. You know, I, I maybe I'm just trying to like defend myself from that. But I'm looking around the landscape of baseball, and I know 2022, because you and I have talked about that a lot, is coming. But I'm just like, I want to watch some baseball. I'm excited to do some fantasy baseball this summer. And, and I'm, I've loved talking a little bit about our sports cards a little bit. I loved opening up the 2021 top space cards. I, I just, and, and again, I find this weird space where I'm like, I'm jacked about baseball. I'm not jacked about the twins. And that's my heat check. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this is why like the two of us work so well together. Cause it's like, I'm here just like super down about Royce Lewis. And then, <laughs> uh, that unfortunately like trickles into like my lack of excitement for baseball. And that might be also like a lot of what it is. It's just you're, um, for me looking ahead of 2022, this is probably the last year, you know, base. If we would have known that the 2019 NCAA basketball tournament was going to be the last one for two years. Wow. Like leading up to that, you would have been like, right. And then, and then Duke loses in the elite eight. Right. Like the tournament was over. It, I, Cause if, I don't know if, if you remember this, like, so that that's the team with like Zion, RJ Barrett, uh, Trey Jones from home state, Minnesota, one of us, like that team was very much like expected to go to the final four. And like the other three, other three teams in the final four were just like super boring 2019 in general, uh, Virginia ends up winning the title, which <laughs> kind of shows to show you, uh, what was going on. And Duke, the whole tournament was like making these games super interesting. Cause they were just basically playing down at the level of their competition, whatever. Um, and then they lose in the lead eight. And then the final four, I believe that was the final four that was in Minnesota too at U.S. Bank Stadium, I believe. So there's, like, also another tie-in there where it's, like, we get Zion and the Final Four in our hometown, like, and it's the letdown of, like, oh, like, who cares who wins at this point? And yeah. it's just no one really cares anymore. Where if we would have known, like, that going into it, how, like, the high would have been way higher. Duke's in the Elite Eight. We're one game away from, like, think of that. This is how lame Minnesota fans are, right? We were super pumped that Duke might make the Final <laughs> Four so we could go watch him in person from, like, the 300s level um, for, like, $700. I remember, actually, those tickets. to Cheapest seat in the in the, in the the stadium before Duke lost was, like, $900. Wow. Duke loses. The next day, you could get there in, in the door for, like, 60 bucks. Like, it was just one of those crazy things. And that, to me, is kind of, like, how I would pitch this out where it's, like, Listen, like we've talked about this. We our goal as a Twins organization is yeah. basically to try to be ninety and sixty-two. Well, the problem is the players we got to be ninety and sixty-two. That again, players that we don't expect to be a hundred or sorry, ninety and seventy-two, a hundred and sixty-two. Right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have players to do that. So like, our players are just here. To, like if they do what we think they're going to do, we'll win ninety ball games. They're looking like, and again, some of this stuff is not really baseball related. And again, early. I'll add that yeah. now, right? Asterisk or whatever to everything we're saying. We're five games in with one not even real real game. But, like, again, real early, March March 4th right now. But for me, it's just, like, looking ahead of, like, this season, unless we do something we've never done before, and now one of our key prospects that we maybe could trade for a guy at the deadline is done for yeah. the year. Um, like, this season's not going to happen, and then next year is just not going to happen, period. If it does, it's going to be another shortened season at best, right? Um, like it's just one of those things where it's like, man, this is a we're. It's one of those things where it's like it just kind of feels like we're already five games into spring training, 
talking about maybe punting on the season. <laughs> and I, well, it's a long, cold winter after this one. Yeah, it, and, it, and this is – I want to address – I want to commiserate with that, and then I want to push back against that. So commiserate yeah. with that is kind of there's this – you and I understand that there are a lot of things that need to stay in place. Health, production for this Twins team to be competitive. And you can say that about a lot of teams. Losing Royce Lewis, we lose a wild card of uh, who's the guy that could come out of nowhere and surprise us. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't other corner outfield first baseman types on this entire Twins roster and at AAA and even going down to AA that could somehow be in a shot in the arm, a Luis Arise coming out of nowhere and being like, this guy makes watching baseball fun and he makes this team better. Now, Arise is in a weird place as is with this squad, but it, it, losing Royce Lewis, you lose your number one kind of like attraction in that regard. So the Twins not only have to have everything click and fall into place, you look around and there's just not any other, without Royce Lewis specifically anchoring the center of your infield as a backup plan, it's like, whoa, there's there's not a lot of folks that we look around the landscape of the organization that could come in and, and do something at present. So it's, it's a double whammy of like, of course, Royce Lewis tears his ACL slipping on the ice in Texas. That's like the twins, like what's going to be next. I, I kind of feel like that ax hanging over us. Um, I, the one, how I'll counter all of what I just said is like every team's got that going on. Every team, Frankie Lindor, something happens to him. Bye-bye Mets. Tatis, I think they'd be okay, actually, honestly, because they got so much talent out out west, but that would be like the worst thing to happen to baseball. Like that dude. Oh god. Come on. Yeah. Uh I, I just I think he's so much fun. I hope he like just flips the bat every damn time he hits a ball out of the park. Not to not none of not to say when there's three other guys on base and just be like, I am baseball. Look at my contract. Look at my salary. Y'all need me. Um, in the way I want to push back against the doom and gloom about the 2022 season, and I am just spitballing here, Woody. This is a huge, huge industry. Tons and tons and tons of money. Do we really think they, both sides, are going to pass up on the amount of money that they can make and not have a 2022 season. Especially after hmm. a ravaged 2020 season and a weird, we don't know what's going to happen to 2021 season, which we don't have butts in the seats, full capacity. Like you, you think they're going to pass on another revenue. Do we really, do we really believe that major league baseball and the players association shouldn't be like, yeah, we're going to just kill each other. Like, over this when we're already you know our i i just i had a, a friend of ours pitch that idea to me and i want to offer it up as a potential counter to this gloom and doom scenario if there's no baseball in 2022 future baseball is ah so i think that's fair i think that's a fair argument um what i would say to that is i agree from a logical two guys sitting in their yep. basements talking about baseball yep. Yep. like they're talking about billions of dollars here like all you know, <laughs> that stuff but again like we're not talking about logical people here yeah and 
they're going the owners are going to come and offer such a dog shit first offer where it's going to be I, I don't know what the revenue split is i'm more familiar with like nba and nfl with revenue split stuff um where it's closer to 50 50 and those ones aren't exactly that yet anymore but uh, baseball could easily i think easily come and just be like yeah we want 65 percent because pandemic because all this stuff uh, we also want a salary cap. We also want a franchise tag. We also want, uh, uh, you know, whatever. And then we will give you, though, like one year less of arbitration. Like, and just like a total just like, because I think the players are going to come and say, like, this is bullshit. We now have a GM slash president of the team in Seattle, former, mm-hmm. who flat out yep. admitted, yep. recorded audio and video that he intentionally holds something that, like, you, we don't do that. Listen, it was just we didn't think Mike Trout should start as an opening day center fielder, so we like called him up two weeks later. Yep. Same thing, Chris Bryant. No, down the list of these guys, right? You have a guy straight up admitting that the number three overall prospect uh, in Jared Kalenic is going to not start on the major league ball club where he belongs on a Seattle team that is dying, by the way, for a true All Star level like player. Just flat out admits, like, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna do it because we need to like roster control or yep. you, know, you know whatever yep. and it's just like our uh, now the, that they have that the oh. twins own josh donaldson tweeted about this and said you know like thanks uh <laughs> former seattle mariner employee uh you just made a lot of guys a lot of money you know speaking from a player yep um and i, I think that's that's a great counter to my counters like hey this is baseball Do you really think they're gonna get it right and this is two guys sitting in basements across uh, two different parts of the wonderful Twin Cities who love baseball, even if it sounds like they hate baseball after this opening <laughs> salvo here. Uh, so I, I, I think it's something that I would challenge us to like try to stay attuned of over the course of the summer. And I, the way I I do that is like I I talk to my baseball friends about like I try to bring it up every once in a while. Be like, y'all know like. 2022 is a hot mess and i don't know if a lot of casual baseball not even casual but like baseball fans understand that i I could be really mistaken with my sample size but i yeah so that's that's my we can put that on our our talking points of 2021 but let's stick to our script and we said that our heat check basically summation is a kind of a shoulder shrug for both of us uh, I, I'm still pro baseball. It sounds like Woody wants to, you know, just walk away from the whole endeavor in general. But let's let's dig into. I got two points that I'd love to just quick check in on Twins wise, and I, I really think that the two most important talking points for the Twins this spring training is your fourth and fifth starters back into the rotation. Is it really Shoemaker and Hap? Like, is is Randy out? And then is this Alex Kirloff's job? basically handed to him no matter what happens this spring training um and again five games in i feel those are the two things if you're like a big twins fan and you're like looking for someone to watch this spring those are the things to keep eye on yeah um do you want to start with Kirilov or do you want to start with pitchers you had some thoughts on Kirilov. i don't know if there's much really to say other than like randy i wish it had worked out for you it seemed like throwing a sinker ball and getting some ground balls to a much better shortstop and second baseman platoon would have been great for you, but you just got basically, you know, gloves are down. Like you have to rock this spring or else 
you're our long reliever, maybe, which I, I like Randy Dobnak uh, for many things other than the Fu Manchu. I love a ground ball pitcher. Um, but I, I don't think there's much there. It's just like, a, hey, that's where that's. So go ahead and Kirloff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, as much as I love talking about former uh, Uber drivers turned playoff starting pitchers. Um, and just one of the great, again, we're going to make a couple baseball card com- comments as we go through. Like, oh, he's rocking like a great Fu Manchu yes, in his yes. uh, 2021 top series, one, <laughs> which I have several yeah. of. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Kirilov thing, you know, I think the, the cool, as we talked about, you know, before, before the pot here of the question is phrased, uh, is it Kirilov's job? And usually when you hear that question, it's questioning whether or not they are like there yet. Like, are we sure that this is the thing? I asked that question the other way. Cause it feels like it is Kirilov's job and it's like, Oh, is it like, asking like oh yeah like everyone just kind of assume this and then almost like in a uh, you're asking it in a follow-up of like should we quest should we question it it's not that we are questioning it right it's that like no one thought to question it um which again it's when you trade the mott wade jr and you know in, in, in the in the winter uh i think we know who jake cave is right now who i like he's a 260 left-handed bat decent fielding decent mobile you know outfielder but that's not we, that's what he is, right? He's you know he's not going to all of a sudden blossom into this like Brady Anderson kind of season. At least you kind of hope not. But like, uh, actually, I would probably take a Brady Anderson season out of Jake Cave <laughs> to be fair. But um, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like I love Jake Cave as the fourth outfielder who, because of injuries, because of stuff moving around, just you know different things like that. Uh, you know, likely is going to start thirty to fifty games. He's going to be able to play in with either you know pinch hitting. Or you know, running or fielding substitution, whatever. And another thirty to fifty, he's looking at probably a half a season. Great. Uh, I don't know if I want him playing north of one hundred and twenty games though. Uh, it's when you have a Krill off behind him. Um, now, I think it is fair to be like, hey, technically he had, doesn't have a major league at bat yet or a major league at hit because it's that weird thing that happens when you have your first major league at bat in a playoff game. It technically doesn't count because again. 2021 CBA stuff, really stupid rules, but whatever. Um, it it is something where it is it Kriol's job. It sure seems like it. Um, and I guess for me, it's 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 less of should we question it. It's more just like what what are the expectation levels? Because I feel like that is all over the place. Of we've been hearing about this Kriol kid for the last three years, how he supposedly has been ready for almost three years, and now he's here. And we don't really know what we're supposed to expect out of him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I that's great. I, and I'm just, I pulled up quick the 40 man roster and it's left field. The options behind Kirloff are the aforementioned Jake cave, Kyle garlic, who I think is leads, leads the team in home runs who slots in somewhere, at least right now in the whole like approaches garlic's your triple a guy right who if something happens to cave comes up and then it's brent rooker who is a good 30 pounds heavier than on on paper per the depth chart than kirloff who i always thought was like kind of a he's a bigger guy in in my mind's eye um and that's your options there for the outfield and this is i I guess woody it's it's kind of to that point of like, we've been hearing about this guy for three years and the twins in this weird space being like, so Kirloff 
is the guy like why are we in this tough spot in this between being like we're hoping for something to flash like it's I, yeah it's it i'm just trying to tap into this kind of unease about this whole like yeah is okay what what's happening right it am i am i off here is it yeah i don't i don't think so i I'll, I'll you know I'll say it again. It, it'd be really nice if we had you know, an up and coming prospect, you know, a hot <laughs> hot name that could maybe have some position flexibility that could you know be around. Um, and again, no one's fault. You know, tearing an ACL. It sounds like was just like a fluke thing with him, and it was a workout thing. Whatever. Just sucks that it's going to be now two full years without live baseball for him because he sat out last year because he wasn't on the taxi squad. Um, which is why Twins don't. If you have a high prospect, put him on the taxi squad. Like. So he can like take brown balls and hit, hit live pitching or whatever. But yeah, I don't, I don't know it. Again, I go, I go back to like part of. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, no, what? go go ahead. I, I'm just kind of oh. like so. If Kirloff, I'm just I was gonna like walk through some scenarios of like what happens for Kirloff. Mm-hmm. Like what what's your ceiling for Kirloff? What would you love to see? I mean, we. Do we want this kid to like just all of a sudden be like hitting two sixty with some power and some pop? I, I I feel like that's that's ultimately you know rookie season, getting on base and just being productive offensively and just holding it down offensively. But what happens if he doesn't provide that? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um. You know, two guys come to mind of like, what do you, like you said, like, what are you, the ceiling, what are you expecting, whatever. Um, first year, it's so tough too as a rookie. Who knows? It feels like he has the, to kind of go Moneyball scout, scouting department pre, pre Moneyball era. You know, he, he looks the part, he has the feel. When you look at, like, in the playoff game, it didn't seem like the moment was too big for him. He just kind of felt like, hey, I'm here, I'm good. Um, so that's something I like. You know, it didn't feel like he was overly nervous or like trying to do stuff he couldn't do. Two guys that's like, this is where I kind of think he is. And it, it's, it's honestly, you look at it, it's like, hey, this is kind of cool. Um, somewhere in between, like a Tino Martinez, I know his positions are kind of off, but like a Tino Martinez or a Bobby Abreu, left-handed bat with some pop. You hope that they can flirt with 40 home runs a couple different times in his career. Realistically, though, he's in that like 25 to 30 range. And hopefully, again, you, that he's a guy that hits in the – you know, 270 would be nice, but like again, the way we talk about him and have the last three years, if he doesn't hit high, you know, high twos, 290s, 280s, maybe you don't know, even threes a couple different times, like it, it's the th- like one of these things I've always kind of been critical about with the Twins, where it's again the, the development of our true like top talent coming up, it just hasn't worked. On top of, and this kind of relates back to like the you know the the down kind of pessimist energy I have going into the season with the Twins, where you look at the roster. This is the the, the roster at this age was the team that was supposed to compete for championships. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and, and now we're talking about like ninety wins is like all we're aiming for, and, and that's where it's like man, like Buxton's mid to late twenties, Kepler mid to late twenties, Sano has played five, six seasons now, right? Polanco, uh, Rosario was part of that, but obviously he's gone now too, right? Add the key veterans, like we're there. Uh, Grant, none of the pitchers came, right? And so like right now, we should right now be like jumping up, like look at this core we have. 
Like yeah. this is like why we yeah. went through four hundred lost seasons in a row to get to this point, and now like to, to <sighs> like the the I don't know whatever you want to call it, like the end thing that we're supposed to be at is man. I hope we can like fight our way to eighty eight to ninety wins and not have like Angleton Simmons like get off to a late start to the season because he can't get here on time. And now all of a sudden he's slumping and hitting 222 in end of May, right? That's, we, we yeah. talked about it before too, like ifs, right? There's too many ifs with this team. And that's kind of where the Kirillov thing for me fits into kind of final part with him, where it's all these ifs, like if Kirillov bats like north of 280, right? If Kirillov has 25 plus home run power as a rookie, if Kirillov can play and be a serviceable corner outfielder with a good like defensive Makeup because I mean we know how much like the defense and saving runs is important to the Twins like model for success under this current regime. Too many ifs with a player who, quite frankly, should be like our seventh or eighth guy in terms of production, but we might need him to be like our fourth best guy, and that's to me where it gets scary. Of like, we hope he's like I said a Tino Martinez, a Bobby Abreu, a left-handed bat that could show up in maybe a couple home run derbies, uh, who probably you think of as a guy who has more power than realistically he did. Although Tina Martinez, looking at it, actually had a couple seasons where we're like, oh, shit, he actually did pretty well. Um, but I think we talk about him like he's going to be like the second coming of Bryce Harper. And that's where I'm like, there's too many there's too many things where it's like, at least the like last couple years leaning in, in a way it's like, God, we might need to pump the brakes a little bit here. And if he goes 255, 22, 70, right, with 155 strikeouts this year, honestly, that might be a win. But the problem is that win, for a player development standpoint, might be coming at the cost of us trading away Kenta Maeda at the deadline because we're out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I, yeah, what are you – where are you at with Kirillov? I, I, I'm looking again at, at just the outfield. and I, I This is not from a perspective that I don't want Kirillov to be successful. I, I – I, I want him to, but I, I just feel like it's asking a lot of Alex Kirloff, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And again, what's what's another thing to watch this season is be like, what are people going to say when they see Kirloff's production versus Eddie Rosario last season or two seasons ago or in a Cleveland uniform this year? You know, And that'll be a fair thing to do if, if the organization felt like bringing Eddie back is not – because we've got somebody ready to take his place. Because we've been told, like, we've got all these corner outfielders. They're, they're here. Rooker, Larnack, if Larnack probably doesn't qualify as that, but Kirloff and Rooker uh, are are ready. Let's go. So now it's time to see that. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, I don't know about that, if that's an integral part to a Central Division title winning 90 games, which I think – the twins will need somewhere very close to that within three or four games to win this division and get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's kind of like, all right. And we're supposed to trust the twins organization to have brought a prospect. up. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I think, uh, I think we'll talk, we'll, we'll have a, you know, roster breakdown stuff as, as the spring progresses right now. Yeah. I don't think there's a pitcher okay. that has more than two innings thrown right now and nine at bat. So yeah, to, Talk about that stuff is a little early, but um, it just was kind of, yeah. yeah, I I just, the shoemaker deal kind of came through last second. And that's Mm -hmm. a dude that just reading briefly on his getting to this point in his career and and hopefully kind of a redemption story, um, some horrifying injuries that he's suffered. So I, I, I love me a good fourth, fifth, maybe third string starting pitcher or uh, third 
fourth, fifth starting pitcher battle <laughs> in spring training. But I, I just uh, – it'll be something for, like, the length of the season. Keep an eye on who comes out of camp in as that fifth starter. Um, it'll be important to the Twins model, and, and hopefully that they found something in Hap and Shoemaker. It's also kind of like – I guess here's a good thing, Woody. I, I would take Hap and Shoemaker over Rich Hill and Homer Bailey. This is true. Any this is day. true. Any day and every day. I'd take Randy Dobnak above – Homer Bailey. Rich Hill is kind of an interesting guy, I, but you know, neither of those worked out very well in 2020, which toss it up. So like, I, I feel like these are two like veteran tail end of the rotation guys that are better pickups than Homer Bailey and Rich Hill were nothing against those guys. Personally, it's just, um, they seem to be higher upside. Um, and you got Randy there and, you know, uh, a couple other, guys that we're familiar with that could challenge for you know, spot in somebody's hurt. So twins rotation is deep again. I don't know if the quality's there, but I, yeah. Story of the rotation for, I don't know, probably since what the Santana Liriano days, which, you know, that seemed like forever ago at this point, but yeah, we're, um, we're depending a lot on Kenta Maeda being a Cy Young candidate again. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be the theme that I might leave this this twin part of the you know the pod with twin stock stuff of just it feels like we're just putting too much on these guys and we're so this is gonna be our fault. We're gonna grant we're gonna blame the players. Don't get us wrong. In, in about six months here, don't don't think that we're gonna blame ourselves for this. But we're definitely as a, and I'm kind of speaking for all Twins fans. I feel like there's an assumption now that we're just gonna be there in September, yeah. right? That's not how this works. We no. we we know this story multiple times across multiple sports with this. You don't just get to you know, put them on paper and show up, right? But we're also, like, putting way too much on these players of expecting, like, well, Maeda did really well last year in a 60-game season where, like, who really knows? And again, I think he has looked really good. Well, there's a lot of stats that point to that and data that point to that the last three years. But, like, we're expecting Kenta Maeda to go out there and win 20 ball games for this club and be, like, a sub-3 ERA guy with, like, create stuff closer to two rather than three honestly too and it's like guys he might not be that like yeah maybe he flukes into like 17 wins but um the one thing i will add though with shoemaker is i didn't know he was 34 i definitely thought he was a little bit younger so it's like again where it's like we're great but i we're you know we're taking chances on some of these guys where the upside and again you need plenty of one-year rental guys and, and who knows maybe shoemaker earns a three-year 24 million dollar contract after this great but i think we're just putting a lot on a lot of guys that don't deserve to carry that kind of load and that's just us our fault as a fan base well in this again it's it's like the, the twins felt they needed to do this rather than trying to give any semblance of who they have that's supposed to come as the next wave to make those leaps or to have that kansas city royal time where you're like it's your time figure it out <laughs> danny duffy if you're up go out there see what you got uh, Danny Duffy, another great baseball name. Uh, I like the point about kind of like this is a good rap for Twins where we're at. Um, mentioned earlier how many games it's going to take to win the Central. I, I want to ask you, Woody, point blank, do you see the Twins winning the Central? We are five games into spring training. We've had the whole offseason. Right now, put the question to you, are the Twins going to win the AL Central? No. 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 I we're going to be lucky to get the wild card, the second one. Okay. Um, 
the, the White Sox are too deep with talent, like quality deep too. Um, Liam Hendricks is the biggest reason I say that too. Mm-hmm. It's we flipped a guy, a 40 save guy, and granted, who knows? Maybe he's like, fuck you guys. I don't want to come back to Minnesota. You guys treat him like shit on the way out. I, who knows, right? But I I didn't just I, – I was willing to make him the highest paid closer of all time. That was what we should have did. Is he Does he deserve to be the most highest paid closer? No, but, like, that's not how this works. We all know that. Um, it's the Dak Prescott doesn't deserve $38 million, but he's going to get it kind of, kind of conversation, right? But it the fact that he – there's literally one team he could not go to. And that was the Chicago White Sox. And that is the one team that he went to. Like, (laughs) is unbelievable to me. It's absolutely unbelievable to me. Like, the only thing that I thought, like, as soon as that happened, I'm like, okay, so that means Nelson Cruz is pretty close behind him then. Because this is how how it's going. You know, and it's one of those things where, like, that's just, this is how it's going to work. Where they're going to go from the top. They're... That that lineup would have been nasty, by the way, and they definitely should have paid Nelson like sixteen million dollars to make it happen. And maybe Nelson's like, "Fuck the White Sox! I've played against you guys for two years. You guys suck." But I can't imagine him saying that. Um, but that that lineup almost went like some form of like Tim Anderson, Abreu, Eloy, Lou, Lou Bob, Nick Magical, who's a pretty highly thought after like second base prospect, and then Nelson Cruz. Like that would have been, and then uh, I think Grandal behind the Grandal plate still with big. them. Yep. yep, like nasty. Yep. nasty and yep. so like i just said all that stuff take Cruz out of it who cares who their dh is then but like still they still had six players that can just mash the ball on top of their starters got better and then they have a closer who we do not have i period. am like, in this is just a look into my fantasy baseball approaches just like what's up lucas giolito i you will be on my squad like oh. that's that's just it's happening <laughs> uh yeah i okay so you are you're putting White Sox solidly number one team winning the central. Uh, and you're saying the twins would be lucky to get the wild card. Are you then also saying Cleveland's still in the conversation because Shane Bieber is best pitcher in baseball at present, or just like, don't count out Kristen McKenzie being able to come up and be like 14 and four at the end of the year and be like, what this guy throws nothing but smoke. (laughs) No, that's fair. I, I will say this, like Cleveland has a winning culture. They have a lot of players that while they were not the main attraction of that winning culture are still there uh, with an organization that wants to win. So are they a team that if they're competitive and hang around and are above 500 in July and maybe want to make something happen? I Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out. But right now as it stands, they seem like a team that's looking to sell at the deadline to, to in 2022 slash 2023, whenever you play next, be ready to, to, to take that step forward. And this year's kind of like a, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of see. And if it happens, great. But if it doesn't happen, eh, that's what you get for trading Francisco Lindor. Yeah. I, I, this is a great, I think, point to venture in and say that here are, by the way, the top five teams, Vegas odds as of today. Uh, Four to one, LA Dodgers to win the mm. World Series. Six to one, your New York Yankees. Nine to one, Slam Diego Padres. Ten to one, Atlanta Braves. And then rounding out the top five before it dropped down to 12 to one. The final team with a 10 to one odds right now to win the World Series is Ryan Wood. The Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox. Exactly. Uh, I 
I'm kind of torn. I saw a lot of national or this was early on, like maybe right after the Simmons move and some other things kind of went they bringing crews back. People were like, yep, twins, they're going to win the central. And I was just like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Like it, I feel lucky that the twins won in 2020. I, I still can't believe they somehow came away with the AL central. That still kind of boggles my mind. And the White Sox tailed off and Cleveland was around for late in the season. And again, 2020 being 2020. I, however, think that Chicago is not truly as fearsome as you and I fear it is. I think Luis Robert has some proving to do. He had a terrible second half of the season. Terrible, terrible second half. They have a Brave, yes. They have Tim Anderson, yes. Rondall, yes. They have Hendricks, Giolito. I, I like their younger starters more than I like Keuchel. Uh, but I, I, you're, you're very anti-Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, that's that's just that's, that's all I say, and, and for no for no reason really, other than just he's a White Sox pitcher, and I feel like I still need to hate some of the White Sox, even though that's I fair. like Eloy and I like Luis Robert a lot, a lot, a lot. Louis uh, and Eloy is another great like dude swings at everything, and you know there's there's ways to beat that team. And they have not proven that they are invincible. So I think early prediction is that the Twins win the Ooh. AL Central. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Follow-up question I have for you on that. Who is the closer and third starter on the roster currently for that AL Central 2021 winning team? For the Minnesota Twins, the closer in the third starter? Yes. Because that's what I think. It, th- that's the two things. If we can yes. pick up a third starter and we can pick up a closer at the deadline or somewhere, I don't. Think I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I don't think that's what's going to determine this. What do you Ooh, okay. I am sitting here two beers in saying that Taylor Rogers will refine his form. And that you won't have to depend on Alex Colomay to be your closer. Or you can be smart about it and use them effectively in, in different scenarios. Just And I'll, I'll give some game management, especially during the season, long slog to the Twins front office. Or the Twins front office relaying what they want Rocco Baldelli to do in game situations. (laughs) And I uh, honestly, with that being said, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Michael Pineda is the number three starter on that twins team. Now AL central winning team, AL central winning team with Michael Pineda as the third starter because Woody, I still feel that if there is a center fielder named Byron Buxton, healthy, I don't care if Donaldson's not playing. I, I don't care if Cruz isn't playing. Buxton matters. If that dude is healthy, if that dude is playing, he makes the Twins so unbelievably better. And, and this bears out in every single statistical analysis. He is still a huge part of this team's success. So that that's 
I'm, I'm dodging your question to try to come up with and say on the record that I want Sonny Gray to be the number three starter for the Minnesota <sighs> Twins. There, I did it. Ah, oh, Sonny Gray. Uh, if we say it enough, it'll happen, right? We have no idea of his contract, where he's at with Cincinnati, but come on. It's just a couple hours over. We're on a different Great Lake. It's going to be fun. You could win. That, that name is that name is so much better than the two names I was about to throw out. <laughs> I, I was going to say that it, my bold prediction for the Twins is that either – Either or, I don't think both. Both doesn't make sense. But either Chris Archer or Marcus Stroman will be a Minnesota Twin come September. Well, um, Stroman is under contract with the Jays, correct? Is he the Jays or the Mets? I keep forgetting. Yeah, that's it was a great, great question. I both? I thought he was. Uh, yeah, it's. I want to. He he signed the one year tender. I want to say it's the Mets, right? Because yeah, the Mets I, traded I, for him I, and then he opted out, right. right? Yeah, and so. Um, any, any, no. Jays? He is the Mets. Yes, he's the Mets. Okay, okay, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, th- I, I mean, the Mets are going all in, but AL East is, that's a, AL, or the NL East is the NL East. Yeah. So, um, but no, it, it, Sonny Gray is a way better name. I, yeah, it's two uh, years, it's, by the way, left on his deal, Sonny Gray. So you get him this year and you get him next year. So we're back in the same Sonny Gray spot we were in. Th- four years ago when he went to the Yankees, right? Of we have roster control. He signed a three year, I want to say $36 million extension before last year. So you're telling me you could have him for two years, 24 million, get out of here or year and a half and whatever. Like there's not a more like twins move than Sonny Gray. I feel like it screams like Carl Pavano to me. Oh, we've got, we've got a twins daily post about five trade targets who the twins could raid from the reds i mean i hope this is bonus right hey, Luis castillo is another name from the reds I, yes, yeah exactly it was it was pretty much anybody on the reds <laughs> rotation yeah just swap the reds with us and we'll give you whatever but um yeah last thing before we move to, to second part here uh names i did not mention as part of the new murderers row in the south side of chicago yeah please uh, this could change the whole conversation <laughs> did not mention johan mancata who had a weird year because he had covid right at the beginning of it and never got better from it did not mention adam eaton or adam engel eh, uh eh. did as a as a platoon in right field by the way <laughs> did not mention potential for a i don't know if 53 is reachable right but a polar bear pete alonzo type rookie season yeah. is one Andrew Vaughn, yeah. which I think people are sleeping on, and I think that's perfect for Andrew Vaughn. This is, this is what I wish we would do with uh, yes. Kirillov, right? Yep. This is what I wish we would do is just let him be, let him come up, and just say, well, you're getting 500-plus plate appearances. It's just going to happen. Don't You know, you might get sat once a week, would whatever. It, oh, this, such this a sleeper. Is, this is such a great point about where the White Sox are at with their talent pipeline. I mean, Andrew Vaughn it might be on this roster. Michael Kepka, also like a big part of their rotation. Nick Madrigal. Yeah, Kopech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kopech, and uh, there's got to be – there's one more dude here. Yeah, Kopech. And then Dylan Cease is still super young too. Yeah. So it's like their ceiling is still to be determined for those guys. And that's a a great kind of like, oh, yeah, Andrew Vaughn's an A-plus rated prospect that's potentially, you know, 22 years old lofty offensive profile should provide both a high floor and a high ceiling twins oh by the way do not have that 
by the way, we also retain the reigning AL MVP on our team. So yeah. don't worry about that. Who <laughs> I, I I feel like is one of those again like amazing moments. Freddie Freeman's kind of like this too. Like, and this is a good transition to the hobby side of this. When's Jose Abreu ever going to get some love in the hobby? When's Freddie Freeman ever going to get love in the hobby? And there's just guys that are so deserving that never will until maybe they get called into the Hall of Fame because somebody's like, yo, Jose Abreu was like one of the best players of this decade. You know, um, it's crazy. It's 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 an interesting part. And this is market-based. Uh, you know, I, my biggest qualm is like a Twins fan is like there's no – hobby love whatsoever like occasionally we're graced with a uh like joe mauer tops black chrome uh autograph which is like oh cool joe's back but also it's like oh fucking a joe mauer's the best we have like i i, I really like joe mauer for everything he is as a human being but also it's like the least excitable part like i wish like ken herbick was out here like signing dumb stuff Let's talk baseball cards, Woody. That's my transition right there. You and That's I, will, will, okay, we got a couple things we need to check in on, though, over the course of the season. Doom or play in 2022? Uh, who's going to win this AL Central? Am I missing any like other tracking moments? Uh, probably just Sonny Gray. Just Sonny Gray. Just Sonny Gray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, though. <laughs> well, let, let's let's do our let's do our uh, planned transition over into the other thing which i i do feel uh we have mentioned many many times in previous podcasts and it's really just something that we get a lot of enjoyment from in a in a lot of different ways i feel um and that's that's sports cards trading cards uh, we'll expand that out because i think we need to talk a little bit about top shot at some point in time here even briefly <laughs> just kind of like sports memorabilia slash merchandise it's 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 uh it's something that i myself have literally just gotten back into in the last three years uh, and and something that i'm i found myself really in kind of deep with and still figuring out what i'm comfortable with and what i can live with and i've made some mistakes along the way and i i i, I think i'll continue to make some mistakes but i'm learning a lot about it and I'm just having a blast doing. I, I've had so much fun with sports cards with you, with cousin Scotty, uh, and with anybody that I can talk to about this. So we thought we'd dedicate some time to this. I, I think that's a. I'd, I'd love to hear Woody where you think or where you pinpoint your coming back to the hobby is, and in where it, where it kind of stands at present. Yeah, I think for me. Obviously, growing up, we're talking like elementary school age, yep. huge into it. Yep. Um, the big thing propelling that was more the game MLB Showdown. Um, was huge into that. Pretty much at some point, probably had come across every card in that game. Uh, and that kind of carried into that died in about 2005. So, I mean, that, you know, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's an MLB Showdown 2005, but at that point, I was kind of fading on it a little bit too. Uh, the friends I was doing it with uh, fading a little bit. Wizards of the Coast fading a little bit. Obviously, for me, trading card in general start in 1999 with Pokemon base set with everybody else. Uh, the collecting thing, kind of always having that. I always make the joke, even though it's not really a joke. It's more just kind of sad for me personally, where 
I pretty much will never win the lottery or anything else relative to that ever again, even though I play more than anyone should probably in terms of that. But first booster pack I ever opened was a first edition Charizard. I uh, proceeded to trade that three times and then put it in the washing machine. So, like, I've, I've always just enjoyed that part. Big gap like everyone kind of in 2005, 2006. I think that's kind of when the hobby started to die. Um, things were going more towards you know, video games, other stuff like that. Same kind of thing as you, though. I've always bought stuff, weirdly. Yeah. Like, if I'm yeah. at Target randomly, even during, like, you know, more adult, early 20s kind of thing, if you see a blaster at Target, like, that's cool. I'll buy this. It's the new set. Or you hear about a cool rookie, and it's like, what are the chances? I'll just go do it, and then I'll just go throw it in a box with the rest of them. Wasn't till about three, four years ago, same kind of thing. Uh, was looking for a hobby. Got real bored. Same kind of thing as 99. Pokemon's what brought me back into it. I always wanted to open a like a booster box back in the day as a kid. Bought one of those. Uh, had a lot of fun with it. And then from there, I was like, you know what? Like, let's just keep going. And the sports tie-in is a lot stronger for me than than the Pokemon tie-in, to be honest. Like, but uh, now it's yeah, now it's just this crazy boom that happened in the last like twelve months. That's kind of unexplainable. But yeah, and I would I would love to. I'd, we would be remiss to say I I feel I owe a lot of this to you blame you for a lot of this i don't know what what we want to do like blames blames fair uh you and i have done a lot of this at least my i i feel like i haven't i I have followed your lead in a couple instances and i i like for me historically I, i go back to we bought a box each at least of 2019 bowman's best and it was a hundred and twenty dollar purchase at that time, which I what was like sweating palms, being like, "I'm going to pay hundred and twenty dollars for a box of baseball cards." I I had two big hits that basically was like, "I'm I'm hooked forever now." Uh, yeah. That are sitting upstairs that I that I'm contemplating selling, Woody. Uh, this uh, depending on where Adley Rushman ends up on the Baltimore Orioles roster, and if Keston Kira can get some momentum going again um that was like it was a huge moment like yeah i had i out of my out of my younger years having boxes of baseball cards having like a little vikings toy locker stacked full of baseball cards and like i just i went fully back into it at that moment and kind of have continued that i mean you and i have bought premier league prism cards together We, we did that again really recently and I, I just, I've had a ton of fun now that you have some money to throw at this when as a kid, you were kind of like, Whoa, like tops Chrome pack. Maybe I could buy one. Well, I, yeah. I bought like every single hanger box I could find and, and found a Fernando Tatis refractor that's at PSA for grading right now. And I, I have like these moments where we've stumbled on some things. I've spent a lot of dumb money on tops heritage because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I, I, again, this weird last 12 months, like you've said, like this last, the pandemic has just blown up this whole sports cards, um, industry and hobby, whatever we want to call it. And I'm really enjoying being a part of it. I, I think, and that's, that's a great point. To, I don't know. Do we, do you feel we are at different points? Cause I, I, I sometimes think like, I have one foot into trying to complete the 1989 tops base set, like hand collated. 
and like having tons of fun with that. I don't think that's your jam though, Woody. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I mean, I don't know if 89 counts as vintage yet, but no. <laughs> I'm not yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I'm more modern, I'm more you know, and that's kind of this is probably speaks more to and this is what I think is so cool about the hobby, right? Or the culture, whatever you want to call it, right? I think it's probably more than a hobby at this point. Maybe it goes back to being a hobby at some point, you know, down the road, but um you get to be who you want to be. Yeah. So if you want to be a guy that yeah. looks for, you know, diamonds in the rough, looks for like hidden gems, looks for older things to find value, looks to collect, not to trade, not to yeah. flip, you can be that guy. Yeah. Uh, if you're more like me, who has always been into like things like the NFL draft, scouting combine, like prospecting, knowing what's going on in the minor leagues, like trying to find the next big thing. Um, before everyone else does, you can also be that guy. And then tons of other iterations that I'm sure I'm going to leave out there too. And that's what I think is so why I think that we are at significantly closer to the beginning of this thing Mm -hmm. than we are to like the bubble popping. Like, I think there's so many people that are finding that out because again, kind of like we both have said about three, four years ago, we started like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, I wouldn't say take it more serious in however way we define serious and within this. Let's spend money on it. Yes, yeah, basically that, and like, but bef- like we've always been interested in it, but yeah. it was just like about three, four years. It's like okay, let's take the dip and do it. Uh, where you're before, it was almost like a weird for me, like a weird taboo thing. I didn't want to like tell my friends about it that I was doing this thing because yeah. I didn't like yeah. worry about like what they would say because it's still kind of weird. And still, there's people now that see the money in it, and now you get the like weird looks of like, why do you do it? Like, oh, you can make that much money doing it, which was not the case 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like mm-hmm. there's uh, you're all there's always been the 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 high end rookies or the autos or whatever cards that do well. But now there's so many other things doing well. Um, but there's so many like people are learning and people are like, oh, this is kind of cool for different avenues and yeah. different ways to get in. And I think it's just gonna keep opening up. And as we can get back open as a world and get Europe involved, get Asia involved. Again, I think this thing has been so much to the quote unquote nerds of the last 10 to 15 years in this hobby. And now mainstream's jumping in and it's becoming a cool thing, which to be fair, might push us out of some places we used to be able to freely walk in, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks. I, I do feel bad for the people, like you said, of you made so, you know, the heritage stuff. You got to like figure that out though in yeah. like first person experience, figure out, okay, heritage, I think this is the thing for me. Actually, it might not be. And then who knows? Maybe next month they're like, actually, I want to go back to heritage. Yeah, I don't think people will. are going to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right? Uh, people won't be able to do that anymore. Like, it's, they won't be able to fi- figure it out. They're going to have to read about some guy in, like, the Twin Cities figuring it out. Right? Yeah. That's what, that, that's the, the experience now becomes secondhand instead of yeah, first. I, and that's what, it, that bums me out. Yeah. And I, and I think we, we, you and I have talked about kind of how we take this, this, this podcast here in the conversations that we have and taking it to like a level of engagement with folks. Like this is part of this that I would love to see if there's a community out there that, that is interested in what we have to say and think about this and how we're approaching it. Because honestly, we, you and I come to this in very different ways. Uh, in, in, I think we're both flexible and fluid, and I, I hope you are willing to put up with some of the crap that I'm up to, because I love hearing what you're thinking about, how you're approaching this. And we're even like our, our friend group, which might not be as bench, like vested in this, we're, we're making connections elsewhere. And I, I think like this top shot, weird stuff that's happening, like I've brought in a couple friends and talking to you about that. It's, it's, 
I like being in this space where it's kind of like understanding the larger area, but I also am feeling more and more comfortable about what I'm up to and like the risks I'm willing to take. And I think just pausing for a moment, and if, if somebody's listening to this and, and hearing us talk about this moment, I sum it up perfectly. You walk into your Target, probably not Walmart because they don't do this, but Target specifically, you walk over and make the first pass you've ever done in 20 years by the card aisle, right by the checkouts, usually hidden, uh, almost looks like a checkout aisle. You're going to see a little white printed piece of paper that says three per customer or two per customer. What they are referring to is the blaster boxes or even the little packs of baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hopefully, uh, cards that they are limiting customers taking at one point in time because there's such a demand for it, because there's markets for that. This is the space that we're talking about this hobby, this this culture, this community really growing that uh, we'd be happy to talk about with folks and, and share on this part of the podcast loosely connected to how much money we're spending on Royce Lewis PSA graded 10 rookies for better or for worse um, and, and lessons that we've learned and also like we're trying to do some fun things not only for ourselves and our friends but just seeing where we can go and to your point about like Woody I, I always like how you're kind of thinking about what are some spaces that nobody else is inhabiting or doing what can we do to kind of be in that space what could be kind of fun and i don't think we're doing it from like a mercenary like we're out to make a, a fortune out of this no we're, we're, we really enjoy this for for different reasons but it's just something that i, I go back to like this is something I've, i loved when i was a kid i always have liked and and i guess i'm flying that flag right now so yeah no yeah all, all valid points, exactly. And I think to, to kind of double down on that last part you were saying about, I think it's important in this hobby too to not just seek out the people that are like-minded as you in terms of how you go about the hobby and how you see things in it. And and this is something I feel like the hobby has been really, and the culture has been really good at up until this point. And now yeah. with an influx of new people at like a crazy rate, it, it might be a tougher thing to sift through. Before, you just kind of had to talk with people you would have never talked to before about things but it's all about the same thing, but it's just different perspectives of it. It was just kind of introducing that part of it of this guy is a collector. This guy is more of a flipper. This guy is a long-term investor. It's all different ways to look at one PSA 10 Royce Lewis first Bowman card, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where it's just like, it, it, but no one's wrong. And it's just kind of one of those things that yeah. it's kind of you got to keep gathering information as you go to help your own situation. Yeah. But also like the, the feedback you give to other people sharing your side of things is is doing the same thing. And I think that's something that like I really appreciate of the of the of the the culture and the hobby of it, and that part of it's pandemic related, where it's just everything online, and we all know everything when when things go remote, great for some things, but also sucks for some things. I think the not having the national right, not having these big card shows to to really help it take off, which is cr- another added part of it's craziest thing took off in a pandemic where yeah. you couldn't a physical thing that you used to thought like we used to think you had to interact with in person. Turns out we don't. But I think it's only going to make it better. Like the the Nationals end of July uh, this year, it looks like it's all go for that. It's 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 going to take off even more at that point and keep going. So, no, I it, it like I said, it, it's uh, it's something where uh, you, one you get to be who you want to be and, yeah, and, and get I love to that. go through the space how that. you want to do it, and then work with other people that don't see it your way. But you also need them weirdly. Like you can't just do it the same way as 
or find people that are doing it your way or see how you mm-hmm. see it because then everyone's going to be doing the same thing after the same stuff in limited quantities. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. I, I That's such a great way of, of looking at it and talking about it, Woody, that, that it, it's, you get to decide that. And I think give yourself some space and grace. Just the one you know pointer is like you are spending money. So just be, be, be cognizant of that. Uh, this is, it's a hobby, not a surefire investment unless you're, and even if you are buying a PSA, uh, excuse me, was his BSG or um, Mike Trout, uh, Bowman? He, he, he uh, went BGS, right? Yeah, BGS. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, there are, there are, this thing is being approached as if it's an investment, you know, taking a Mike Trout, taking a, Tom Brady, a Patrick Mahomes card that's rare and of massive value and, and thinking like this dude's one of the greatest guys to play this game ever. It's only going to go up in value. Like that's also, you know, hoping that our society stays together at large. So if they, if that crumbles, like, yeah, then we got bigger fish to fry. Uh, you know, they're outside of those kind of moments. It's something that's not always going to get you your money back. And so where are you getting your joy? If, if your only joy is getting an extra 20, 30, 40, 50, 600, $1,000, uh, there are other ways to do that. Like, I, I guess I just, I love baseball. I, I, if I always loved the cards aspect of this. And for me, like, I'm, this is me just trying to write off some losses of late too, Woody. Uh, <laughs> but I like take it from like that entertainment scene and be comfortable with what you're doing and I ask yourself those questions so we had just kind of like our our card hobby update uh and talking about this like second half focus that we'd love to do so yeah I think uh we we have a bunch of stuff here we could run through but honestly I think this might be its own thing yeah like we're uh we're already at. I got a spider crawling on my desk in front of me. That keeps distracting me. That's the only thing. It's pretty small. We, we, we should be all right. But um, <laughs> there's a red hourglass on its back. Is that bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it keeps looking at me pretty weird. But uh, no, it's fine. Um, no, I think. I mean, maybe what we'll do is this: is now that we know, kind of introduce the second yeah, part here. I like that. And then jump jump into it and kind of dedicate. Maybe do like even the next episode out here, next pod, and dedicate that one fully to it. We'll do some twins updates as always, but maybe shorten that thing down. Um, once we start talking about fourth and fifth uh, starting pitchers and whether or not Alex Kirilov has a safe job in left field, we kind of tend to get carried away. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll maybe try to keep it a little bit tighter next time with the, with the twin stuff and go focus everywhere on the card stuff. But no, I think that's a good kind of a good hopping off point too of just like, listen, this is. I think the relevancy is there. I think if you're like moving forward between the Fox Sports regional networks being rebranded as basically like Bally's Sports betting channels which is what the local twins channel is going to be on no more fox sports north it's going to be bally sports north or whatever gambling's gonna be more involved let's be honest a big part of sports cards for a lot of people entering the hobby right now is the gambling aspect of i can buy a pack for hypothetically ten dollars and i might be able to pack a thousand dollar card out of it like let's go and do that and the rush and feeling of that part it all just ties in and I, i think for us to lean into it is a natural thing where like i said we've been in this for pretty much our whole lives, but you know, these last three, four years, um, we didn't just jump in six months ago or 12 months ago. Like a lot of people did and kind of are making all these people that have been here for a while. Like what's going on? Like, I can't figure it out. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a, uh, a place for us where 
again, we, we get a lot of enjoyment out of it, and it's not just return on investment monetarily. Yeah. While they're hopefully with some pink refractors of uh, Fernando Tatis, <laughs> Tos Chrome might be, but for the most part, it's more about ripping guys and getting some solid like Bruce, uh, not Bruce, was it? Uh, nice Jared Bowen rookie card uh, as your <laughs> as your best uh, the best pack, rip out of a pack. So um, yeah, I, I I am just I'm sitting here and just I'm still like really I think that's such a great way of saying like it's a chance for you to think about what do you want to do and in those mm-hmm. moments are i think in like a life like if we're put a nice little bow here woody on the end of it saying like life doesn't give you a lot of those and if this is something you you're interested in it's a chance to do it and that's that's pretty cool and that again that we're pretty damn lucky that we have something so, so superfluous that we get to engage with so it's fun it's it's enjoyable and flyover territory is here for you if if you want some guidance on that. Exactly. Uh, I think it's a good good cap hopping off point. I'll leave it with the uh, the classic Brad Pitt line of, there are rich teams, then there are poor teams, <laughs> then there's 50 feet of crap, then there's us. Yes. We're, we're, the, we're the last part. We're the then there's us part, buying uh, Topps Heritage and hoping that we hit Wayne Rooney autos out of yeah. our hobby boxes that we can't afford. But um Till next time, I think, and again, like I said, we'll we'll have kind of a split thing, and and, and maybe the next one's more focused on cards. But hopefully, uh, once uh, Angelton Simmons is officially allowed to uh, begin practicing with the uh, with the Twins, we'll have a little bit more to uh, hopefully more optimism, but definitely more to say with that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, for Dave, uh, this has been Woody. This has been Flyover Territory Podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Basically.